0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to the fourth episode of Midwesternish, where we discuss philosophies of work, culture, and everything in between. Today, we explore the topic of promotions during a pandemic, which may seem counterintuitive because, with millions of Americans now out of work, hopefully temporarily, it can seem strange though to discuss promotions. However, at several high growth companies, promotions are still occurring and such is the case for Spring Venture Group based in Kansas City, which just announced a 400 person hiring surge due to increasing demand for its insurance products. So join us as we explore this topic with three newly promoted managers at Spring Venture Group. Peyton McNeil, Jordan Crittle, and Blaine Fisher have just been promoted from the role of sales agent to sales manager and will begin managing their own sales teams in June. In addition to discussing the new hurdles of becoming a manager in a fully remote environment, we also discuss their own leadership philosophies, using this time before they formally begin their roles as an opportunity to articulate their own management beliefs. We have with us today Jordan Criddle, Peyton McNeil and Blaine Fisher. So very excited to talk with them. They've just been promoted from the role of sales agent to sales manager, and we'll let them introduce themselves. Why don't we have each of you guys introduce yourselves and what you do uh, now that you're managers and how long you have been with Spring. Uh, Jordan, you can start.
1: Definitely, definitely. So my name is Jordan Crittle, and I've been with Spring since July of 2017. Um, to answer the question what I do as a manager that's uh what i'm <laughs> figuring out this month <laughs> yeah, um, I guess that's not a fair yeah. question yet, is it <laughs> uh no but i'm I'm super excited uh this month uh, uh we have been going through manager and training, so really just learning the ropes and um uh, I'm believing we'll have a team as early as June first, so um definitely. Excited to share my knowledge with my new team and and see how that goes. Awesome.
2: Awesome. Um, I am Peyton McNeil. I have been with Spring since April 30th of 2018, so just hit my two-year mark um, last month. I am right there with Jordan. We're kind of going through, and Blaine obviously going through and uh, figuring out the behind the scenes, get more embedded um, on the structure and learn the ropes, uh, like he put it. So, really, just excited to get started, hit the ground running, and and get going on the management side. Great. I'm uh,
3: Blaine Fisher. Um, Been with Spring since June of 2018. Um, Came into Spring. Really liked the sales environment and the idea of the harder you work and the better you do, Uh, the more money you get to make and the more opportunities you have to grow so spring is growing and and hiring new people get people get to be managers quicker um but i'm excited to get to help other people uh hopefully make a fast start in their sales career and Mm -hmm. get the same kind of opportunities that uh i was able to have access to
0: that's great well again welcome gentlemen and congratulations on your promotions first question i want to ask is who has um more instagram followers jordan or Peyton? (laughs) I'm just
1: kidding. <laughs> uh, Peyton, Peyton's content's way better than mine. <laughs> uh,
0: actually, let's uh, let's dive in with talking about leadership. What draws each of you to leadership? What about being a sales leader is compelling to you? And whoever wants to go first, go ahead and just jump in.
3: Well, because you think you'd be good at it. Right. Uh, It's just like sales or any other any other commission based or uh, variable comp is like you're competing against people around you. And it gives you the opportunity again to,
1: um, you know, compete every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for me, it's um, based off of the fact that just naturally and, um, you know, what I personally love to do in life, regardless, is have an impact on people and help people understand, you know, what either their passions are or what their goals are in life and, and helping them, you know, have out, uh, pave a way to to make that happen and help them strategize on what they need to do on a day-to-day basis or find motivation to make that happen. So um, I think when that's something that you just love to do naturally, people kind of look at you as a leader, um, without even trying just because you're wanting to provide value in people's lives.
2: Yeah, Absolutely. I I agree with that as well. I think um, majority of, of my life, I've always tried to be in more of a leadership position just because it comes natural. I like to get things done um, and get them done correctly. So in the working environment, getting to a management role just is that next level of you know providing yourself worth and getting to that next step of goals that I have to get into um, management and kind of foresee things being carried out the way they should be
0: mm, yeah, great answers from each of you now um let's talk about leadership style because each of you is your own person, and when you're leading, you're putting your sort of footprint on the team and how you like to lead so uh, let's start with Peyton. Peyton, how would you define your leadership style?
2: Um, I like to just be as as forthcoming as possible and open. Uh, I think communication is extremely vital to create any rapport and connection with somebody. So, And that's how I respond also. like I, I can't read minds, unfortunately. I wish I could, but that's what allows for me to be able to help connect with people is just having that ability to talk, communicate, and then work through any problems. And also on a good side, highlight, you know, the good traits and qualities that people have too.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's great. Um, if you could put it in like five words or less, what would you say?
2: Um, my leadership style is willingness to be open with my team.
0: Good. Little over five. I was saying, I didn't count. I didn't, oh. You didn't count the first. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Blaine, how would you define your leadership style? Um, I
3: definitely start with just a lead by example uh, style. So I'll go every single mile that anybody on my team will go, plus an extra step. You know, I'm right there, along there, uh, up early in the morning, or staying late at night to be available. Uh, whatever it takes to prove um, to the people that are that are working on my team that so they they understand that I'll, I'll go every single step with them plus one. You know, so yeah, lead by great. example. So
0: lead by example would be your five words or less. I like it. Um, Criddle, how would you define your leadership style? Uh,
1: yeah, I would say kind of just piggybacking off of Blaine, I think um, leading by example, which shows credibility. Um, I, I think that the more that – Um, you know, we've already shown that we can do the job at a high level. And so that type of, I guess, tactical or technical credibility is going to be there, but more so, um, just on a personal level, really getting to know people on a a genuine personal level and taking interest into who they are as an individual, rather than what they can do for me production wise. Um, Mm -hmm. that's really going to be what, what I'm trying to get in tune with.
0: Okay. Great. Yeah. No, um, Blaine, what would you say your biggest strength is as a leader?
3: Um, I mean, we, I I have that technical credibility. I mean, that's something that as an agent, when I was new and and looking to managers and stuff, something that really drove me to, you know, want to impress or please my manager is like, wow, they were really good at this. I want to be just like them. I think that's Mm -hmm. a huge strength. Um, also, mm-hmm. I, th- I mean, I think I do a good job of, of being straight to the point and honest with people when they need uh, perspective. Uh, you know, you get to choose your perspective. So, and I've had, I've been able to look at things from a lot of different perspectives, depending on the situation. So bringing perspective to people when they need it would be very beneficial mm-hmm. for a lot, of, a lot of different people.
0: Mm, definitely. Um, I'd ask the same to both Criddle and Peyton. Um, Crittle, what would you say your biggest strength is as a leader?
1: Um, I think my biggest strength is um, it's going to be a a balance of empathy plus just emotional stability. Um, I think I've lived in numerous areas of the country around all sorts of different types of people. And I've been in a number of different situations. So I think that I'm able to communicate um, with any type of person about any type of, uh, Mm -hmm. situation and, and have, you know, have some sort of understanding. Um, but then also I'm never too emotionally high or low, you know, I would stay pretty stable, which I think, especially with spring with the amount of change that happens, um, being able to just stay cool, calm and collective is, is a strength.
0: Yeah. It's very important, especially in a, a remote environment as well. Um, Peyton, what would you say your biggest strength is?
2: I would say being able to build confidence in people. Um, a, lot of, a lot of newer agents struggle with you know, seeing their self-worth and like, ability to be doing the job correctly. So that's something that I just have a knack for of helping highlight the good things, but also train you know, what's in their mind they consider a weakness, showing it as a strength. So that way they have that confidence to overcome those barriers and those, um, those holdbacks in a way. It's something I try to implement not just in work but also like within my friend groups and family and everything too. Just you know, helping to provide mm-hmm. a different perspective to somebody so that way they can, in turn, utilize that to build themselves up better.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's great. Now let's talk about. Um, we talked about strengths. Let's talk about flaws or, or growth opportunities or however you want to phrase it. Weaknesses. Mm-hmm. What would you say, Criddle? Is your biggest area of potential weakness or growth area as a leader that you're focusing on moving into management?
1: Yeah. So my biggest concern, um, going into management is reaching people who don't have just that, that hunger or that natural, um, motivation to become successful at that job. And even, you know, what I deem successful at the job, their their definition may be totally different, right? So it's really connecting with that person that um, I'm struggling finding their why or what makes them tick. Um, And so it's actually been really cool going through MIT and learning about different personalities and how to communicate with, um, you know, someone who might be that type.
0: Mm. Yeah, like someone who's just totally different than you, has a different set of priorities and different motivations, whether it's financial or life and just figuring out how to connect with them. Right, right. Yeah, I would say that's really common, especially for um, high producers, high producing sales agents who move into management. And it can be definitely at times like a splash of cold water on the face with um, realizing that uh, what, what pushed you into leadership, which was how much you excel is also what differentiates you from uh, like a lot of people, including those you may lead. Right.
1: Exactly.
0: Um, Blaine, what would you say is your biggest either concern or growth opportunity, weakness, however you want to phrase it?
3: Yeah. I think that uh, in some points in the past uh, people I've led before and just looking forward, I think I may come off as overbearing or like maybe want it more than the people like, like Crittle says, there may be people who, aren't necessarily as motivated or the things that make them get out of bed in the morning are a lot different than what gets you out of bed to get on the phones or get to work, you know, so, um, mm-hmm. not being overbearing or too uh, putting too much pressure on those people. Uh, I'm going to have to make a conscious effort to, uh, try to not do that. Um,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Crittle, did you want to add something in there?
1: Oh, no. I was just – I was feeling everything Blaine said. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. What about you, Peyton?
2: I honestly, like, I think I'm right evenly dispersed between both of them. I think for me, it's – its my flaw would be wanting it more than, like, the, the newer agent would want it. And not just, like, on the production side. Like, I'm thinking maybe if I see an underlining quality, like, maybe if I see somebody – excelling I'm like oh they would maybe eventually want to be a sales coach or you know like that's something that I would want them to eventually find out so I think for me maybe like taking a step back and allowing for them to kind of come up with that idea on their own you know like formulating that in their own mind rather than me sort of putting it there I think that's where my flaw would be because I want the best for everybody but not everybody wants to get to that next level of sales coach. Some people are here literally to just make a lot of money and then, you know, go, go on with their day. So I think Mm -hmm. that's going to be my, Mm -hmm. my like come to fruition of just realizing that once I get into the management Mm -hmm. role.
0: Yeah. Well, also some people are, are content to not make a lot of money too. True. I think um, that's another side is some people might have a lower cost of living and Mm -hmm. what might, what might seem like not, not as much money as we'd like to have is, is what works for other sales agents. And it's a challenge to like, how do you drive that conversation Mm -hmm.
1: forward? Right. True. Yeah. Yeah. And I would also add, you know, um, kind of touching base on that is, you know, let's say taking the scenario I'd mentioned earlier and you've got someone that you're trying to figure out. And, you know, a lot of us have been successful in this role just due to being super competitive. So I can see myself, looking that as, um, you know, a challenge to really connect with this person and, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to fix this person and mm-hmm. how do you balance the time of, okay, focusing on this person so much that you may be neglecting others, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I'm, I'm really trying to hash out in my brain, I guess this month.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah you're all thinking about things at the right time and in the right way, I would say. Um, So that's, that's really good that you're, you know, at least thinking through things on the front end, which not, not everyone does. So Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about managing remotely. So we're all in uh, quarantine still with the pandemic um, still having ripple effects across the country. And for the foreseeable future, um, each of you will be managing remotely and we'll be managing people that you have not met yet um, physically. So there's a number of things to think through about that as well as challenges to anticipate. But let's start with that first question. Um, Blaine, what challenges uh, do you anticipate with remote management?
3: The biggest one is just You can't sit in the same room, the same office as somebody and and really get a feel on their emotions and, you know, see their face, hear their tone of voice as well uh, as you can remotely. So to really, Know where someone's head is at. Uh, it's going to be a lot more uh, challenging. I think learning remotely, especially like sales calls, tactics, and, and the mechanics of a sales call, remotely learning that is going to be a lot harder. I don't, managing people though remotely, it'll be a challenge, but I, I think it's definitely doable. Um, training and learning will be the cha- the biggest challenge, I think.
0: Okay. Yeah. Say more about that, training and learning.
3: Just like um, the mechanics of a sales call, I, I feel like a lot of agents pick up a lot of things just by sitting around uh, people on their team and overhearing yeah. people around them. I um, mean, I know that was a, a conscious effort that my manager would make is to put certain agents in certain spots next to experienced people or you know, someone mm-hmm. who might be able to – has a strength where they have a weakness – um, and you can hear that all day long in between calls while you're dialing. Whereas when you're remote, um, you know, it's, it's you and your computer screen and you don't get to hear the people around you in between dials and between calls. Uh, so it's a little bit slower learning curve, I think on the, you know, the t- the tips and tricks and small little phrases and things that you pick up over time on the sales floor.
0: And in some ways uh, that puts more pressure on the manager to be the, the sole like conduit of learning, right? Because Mm -hmm. if, if there's not that sort of um, serendipity of hearing things around you and picking up on things, it all then kind of flows through uh, the manager at first. So Criddle, how do you anticipate addressing that challenge or or what other challenges are you anticipating?
1: Yeah, same thing. I know for me, um, as far as the training and, and learning aspect, uh, as soon as I was on the floor, I actually sat right next to my, my sales coach. And so not only was he my sales coach, but he was top two or three in the entire company. Um, so I was able to, between my calls, first of all, between each of my calls, it sounded like he was apping somebody out, but Uh, I got to listen to what he was saying. And so that was a lot of my learning and just uh, not only learning the sales process, but learning Medicare, learning, you know, things to say about specific carriers and things of that nature. So, yeah, they're going to be, you know, that's going to be a challenge for sure. Um, The I I would say for me, the biggest challenge that, you know, I've, I've been concerned about is really just figuring out how to um, truly influence my team, let them really get to know me in a genuine way. Um, and also, mm-hmm. you know, passing along that spring venture group culture. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of companies throw the word culture around, but I, I you know, pers- I've, I've felt and seen the spring culture on a personal level and I, I want to be able to extend that to my team. And so You know, we're in unprecedented territory uh, trying to, you know, number one, step into a management role and then two, do it with new agents in a a remote fashion. Um, So, yeah, that's my biggest concern, I think.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
1: What What do you think, Peyton?
2: Yeah, I a lot of my challenges that I personally have kind of been mulling over the past couple of weeks has to do a lot with like the connection and culture aspect as well. But also piggybacking off of that, I've seen some things that have put my mind at ease in regards to that. Cause that's that's my personal take, is I'm a very in-person. I think body language speaks just as much as words. And yeah. that can kind of help people feel more comfortable and like get more of a feel for who you are and and that type of stuff. But being in MIT this month, we've been exposed to several different teams and how they're interacting ng chat and their team meetings and everything and i'm genuinely like blown away at some of the things that i have seen that completely put to rest that mindset that i had like just the the back and forth conversation between agents on teams completely like shows that that Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily have to be in person at all um so that really did get rid of some of my little pent-up sort of frustration or like fears i guess in a way which is cool but I still think in a sense, it's going to be a challenge for me to overcome just to get used to it because I am such a like physical in-person minded guy.
0: Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, So what, um, what are you guys strategizing for how to motivate people remotely who you haven't quite met yet and who you're just getting to know?
1: Yeah, uh, I'll start. Um, So I, I sat in on a stand up with Tara Mitchell's team yesterday. And uh, her and I spoke for a little bit afterwards, and she had mentioned that she every single day she has on her calendar a block, um, kind of like office hours to where she literally just frees up her schedule and any of her agents that want to reach out to her, um, you know, FaceTime or just call her or whatever, um, you know, and just have a, a conversation, not about sales, not about spring, but just talk. Right. I mean, we all we Mm -hmm. all know the the uh, ups and downs and how that could be mentally draining when when you're selling. And, you know, I thought that was a really cool idea because it takes away the the manager agent feel. And it's just like, hey, human to human, friend to friend. uh, Let's just talk and let's just, you know, clear our minds. And and I thought Mm -hmm. that would be really cool, especially with new agents that you've never even met um just have more face time and and really get to know people on a personal level
0: that's great yeah i love that what about you blaine
1: yeah that's
3: huge just i mean i haven't met him in person but meet him online and get to talk to him and and try to develop a relationship that way i mean that's something that we're all going to have to do um but I mean, I think there's a lot of positivity that can come from being able to have the opportunity to work and work from home during this time in the country. So, uh, shining light on that. And then just the opportunities that, uh, you have at spring, um, and in sales that if you, you know, develop good, um, routines and and a good process, you can really succeed and have a sustainable workflow work-life balance. Um, I think that's what, Motivates a lot of people is just having something that they're comfortable with, um, that they can have a good work life balance. But balancing in work and, you know, personal life where you're actually getting a lot out of yourself, but still have time to enjoy uh, other things. You get that opportunity a lot more from home as well, um, since you're not having to commute and things like that. So I think people will be able to be motivated. Again, I think it'll be a little bit harder to learn and get
2: a longer learning curve.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And Peyton, what what are your thoughts on motivating people?
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I think um, a lot of motivation comes from just understanding the person, uh, finding out what their drive is, like what's going to actually be motivational for them. So I think that aspect of it from a leadership uh, standpoint comes out your first interaction that you have with them or the first couple for that matter. So motivation to me is gonna be individually based, you know, in a sense, but also when it comes to like the team atmosphere, it's just making sure that you have that camaraderie between the teams. That way it's not just me that's helping motivate people, but it's also like the team too, you know? So um, Mm -hmm. that's like my goal is to try to figure out what each person is like, what pushes them within my first, you know, interaction with them since they're new. And then utilizing that throughout the entire ramp and management
0: process.-hmm That's great. Now, one thing that uh, I do want to talk about is one of the biggest challenges any new manager faces, which is accountability, and how to have those conversations about accountability. And in sales, we have so many different metrics that we're accountable to, and that um, sales agents are accountable to. The remote dynamic. Um, also adds a layer of challenge to having accountability conversations. Um, Now, accountability and motivation are kind of two sides of the same coin. How how do each of you intend to approach accountability in a remote environment? Let's start with Peyton.
2: I think – accountability depending on i honestly i think any situation should be face to face like in regards to video it shouldn't be like over gchat or anything like that that way you get your point across of like this you know hey this happened this needs to not happen again no matter the severity of whatever it is it could be something minuscule or more major it just you have to get that point across Um, From the beginning, I'm not personally somebody who likes to let things slip because when it happens once, it's going to happen again, typically. Mm -hmm. So that's like my approach with it is just helping them understand the why behind the situation or scenario and then presenting Mm -hmm. ways to not allow that to happen again. And then making sure they fully grasp it, you know, not just talking to them or talking down to them, but just helping them kind of realize the why behind it. So that way we can, you know, work past that and not have that come up in the future.
3: Mm -hmm. I think it starts with setting uh, clear expectations as to, you know, what is required. And then really our accountability expectations align parallel with people who meet their numbers. If you're not hitting the minimum this, then you're never going to hit your numbers here. So showing that and, you know, getting everybody to understand that, Hey, this isn't that hard and and everybody who's doing well is hitting these anyways. So you guys should, you know, at the very minimum, get this done for me. And then it's a case for case basis from there. If you have somebody who is typically not meeting their minimum accountability numbers, then you're going to treat that situation differently than if you have somebody who's pacing a double quota and they have one poor day, you know, you're not going to come down as hard. You're going to acknowledge it, but,
1: um you know case for case on on how to handle it i think
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah what do yeah, you think i Riddle? mean you know like blaine said setting those clear expectations is extremely extremely crucial um, and i also think uh, accountability is a two-way street so not only setting my expectations of you know my team but also um, letting them know what they could expect from me and even on top of that on an individual basis, figuring out how each person, um, you know, wants and needs to be managed and led um, and, and following through on everything that I say that you can expect from me, always making sure I'm following through on that to a T because I can't expect mm-hmm. my team to live up to expectations I've set of them. If, if I'm not living up to the expectations set of me. So um, having that two way street.
0: Yeah, that's great. Great thoughts on from everybody on this one. Um, now, one thing I do want to talk about is your leadership philosophy. This will kind of be our, our closing question here, and then we'll wrap up. Um, management is of a, about your philosophy in action. We all have beliefs about how to lead, and um, sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're challenged by situations we run into that cause us to change our philosophies. And so you know, one of the things I'd like to do is um, revisit some of these questions in uh, a few months and see if anything has changed. But I want to get a current snapshot of uh, your, your leadership philosophies and what you believe about what it means to lead people, how to lead people. So uh, this one doesn't have to be five words or less because it's a little bit <laughs> bigger question. But um, let's, let's talk about what your leadership philosophy is. And we'll start with Blaine. Blaine, what's your leadership philosophy?
3: Yeah, so kind of branch off of the compliance versus commitment. Obviously, you're, you're trying to breed commitment to your team and your, your overall goals. Um, I think once you gain commitment, I think there's two types of commitment that you can get. It's like the leader that like the Brad Roper leader that's kind of hands off, but you work your ass off for him because you want to be like him and you don't want to disappoint him. Uh, but he's not as touchy feely really and like gives praise uh, a lot less than others. Or, you know, on the other hand, you have leaders who are a little bit more your friend and you want to work hard for them, maybe not to disappoint them or not to ruin your relationship with your manager or let them down. I think it's more Mm -hmm. effective and you can drive more results from the first one. Whereas someone is looking at you as like an example person has a lot more, I guess, credible respect for you um and mm-hmm. i feel like dra- you're going to drive more results there and and develop more independent people who are more resourceful and be able to solve more problems and develop more leaders that way as well so. okay
0: thank you yeah um criddle what's your leadership yeah, philosophy
1: so it's funny because um you know we received an email from jeffrey anderson and um he talked about the three assets of a leader And something that resonated with me and that has stuck with me ever since I read it um, is uh, a line that said leadership is about your level of influence and not your level of authority. And then kind of going with what Blaine said, um, talking about uh, positional authority without credibility leads to compliance or obedience and not commitment or engagement. So to me what's really important, especially thinking of a ramp one team is the buy in, just the overall trust Mm -hmm. and kind of, you know, looking to build some sort of, um, you know, family to where me as the leader of that family, you know, as long as everyone's bought in and everyone's on the same page within a family, you may Mm -hmm. have great days, you may have vacation and everything's, you know, lovely. And then you have days where someone's upset or someone's going through, through something or someone's expectations are not being met and now they're coming down on the family. So, but at the end of the day, there's always love there and it's never, um, you know, someone's not trying to leave the family, you know, it's, it's always based out of love and you're able to reach one common goal. And so to me, you know, I'm really going to be focused on that buy in.
0: That's great. Love it. Um, Peyton, what is your leadership philosophy?
2: Yeah, uh, honestly, the, the buy-in for me kind of tapers right into what I was going to get after. I think my philosophy is going to continue to build that confidence, which is going to lead to the commitment within not just the team aspect, but also the, the company in its entirety. I think I've, over the course of my time at the company, whenever I see somebody that has you know parted ways or not been as successful. It has been because they have lo- they have lost that confidence in themselves, which in turn just made them kind of lose it in the company and tenfold. So my philosophy is just going to be to produce that environment that's conducive to success by making each individual agent confident in themselves, which will be that com- which will build that camaraderie of the team, which will in turn be able to be a good asset to the entire company um, in the end.
3: So
0: that's great. Great. Well, thank you so much, gentlemen, for your time today. I think that spring is very lucky to have you three as new leaders um, and that your agents will be very lucky to have you as well. And I appreciate your thoughtfulness behind each of these uh, questions here. I really look forward to seeing uh, as you grow and develop over time. And I think uh, I speak for everybody at spring when I say that we're all rooting for you. So thank you for your time today. Appreciate yeah, it. you. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. And if you're interested in more episodes, you can find us on Spotify or at Midwesternish.com. I would also encourage anyone looking for work to explore Spring Venture Group as this hiring surge presents ample opportunity to join a growing company. Stay tuned for more content coming soon.